a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Trax Power Sports. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. And my buddies, Russ and Smith. Russ and Smith. Russ and Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Russ and Tommy are uh, back from around the world. Uh, Mike Navidowskis, Russ Smith. When's the, the. Do you remember the first time you got in contact with Tim Ryan at Row 4 a Oh, my gosh. What year did he do it last time? I don't know. Tim, probably, ju- Tim, jump in here. Yeah, it was probably a year before that that we got together. I, yeah, I think we met in uh, 2017 uh, as we were getting prepared for our transatlantic crossing in 2018 and 2019. Yeah. Uh, I found a picture that you guys had posted online, and I hope it's all right that I shared it on our Facebook page. But what a great shot of uh, the boat itself and the whole crew with a nice sunset in the background. At least at that moment, you were having a good time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we sure were. Uh, I think that's our arrival shot into Antigua. Right. right at sunset, it was a really uh, cool moment. Yeah, I'm the guy sitting at the back of the boat with his head down that's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> All right. I do see you there now, actually. Uh, you're getting, re- you're getting, ready, quite getting ready to do this again. And for people that haven't heard our prior conversations, Navi was in studio one of the last times we had a chance to chat. And I get a sense, Navi, the adventurer in you um, makes you kind of envious of this kind of an experience. You knew a lot about the trade winds and the whales they would encounter and everything else. Well, I thought it was interesting that he was doing Greenwich Mean Time today, you know, for his little tutorial and you have to understand that all oceans connect to England because they're the seafaring nation. And, and when they say mean time, it's mean at 2 a.m. for us. Yeah. You were up in the middle of the night, uh, Tim, for, I guess, a meeting or instructional thing from the organizers of this event that's coming up. Tell us about that. Yeah, this was a required ocean rowing course. Uh, that's a, a broad overview, soup to nuts, um, of the uh, – uh, Pacific Challenge 2023 that we'll be participating in in June. So it's everything from pe- preparation, training, sponsorships, fundraising, media, and then, of uh, course, start to finish on the race, how you can, uh, you know, how to manage your body, how to manage your teammates, how to manage your meals and your equipment and gear and so on and so forth. So uh, I think it was an eight-hour class. Mm. We wrapped up just a few minutes ago, actually. Any surprises uh, from that or moments you went, whoo, we didn't think of that? Well, you know, there there were a couple of things that um, that popped out that I hadn't seen. Um, one was the need for me to uh, go hat in hand back to my good friends at Skycall Satellite looking for a third phone. Um that's a new race requirement. Uh, came out of, we've talked on past shows about our, uh, friends and our sister ship that was lost at sea this year, they were rescued. Um, uh, uh, but their satellite phones didn't make it. Oh. So they had really no no effective means of communication once they were in their life raft. 
Um, and we're very lucky to come within 15 miles of a passing boat that, wow. that they could contact by handheld radio. So, so that was a big one uh, that I saw um, on there, and um, uh, there's a couple other couple other odds and ends of uh, upgraded equipment uh, uh, and things they no longer allow. Um, uh, this based on experience of the the last four races between what we did and today. Like one of those things would be an outboard motor or something? High-powered <laughs> rifle? Outboard motors. Uh, they did have a, a photograph of – there was a, a team a uh, couple of years ago that um, inadvertently told on themselves, but they were horsing around and they fastened a bed sheet and kind of made a sail out of it. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's against the, the rules. And at the end of the trip, you turn in all your videos and – you know everything you've done, and they came across that. And we're like, whoops! Well, oh, yeah, great job crossing, but you're disqualified. Well, I know that Russ values your life more than the phones, but when you said uh, we're telling the story of the boat that uh, didn't come back, or the phones that didn't come back, the blood ran from his head there for a minute. I'm sure it did. I know. I know. On the first trip, our our boat manufacturer had a had a side chat with Russ about the condition the phones might return in. That's right. Um, I think they came back all right. We're, they, we're, those were military guys, and they're not as neat and orderly as as we are. So yeah, that I had a I had a great conversation with your boat builder, and she said, "Don't expect those phones to come back the way they went." Hmm. And does the exposure to the salt sometimes yeah, just cause being problems? In the salt air, yeah. But but they came back in perfect condition, so nice, not a problem. Hey, introduce us to your uh, rowing buddy there. Yeah, so I've got my third mate here, Abel Ryan, my 25 year old uh, son, and he is uh, fresh in from Los Angeles, and we'll be hanging out together uh, from now until the end of the row. We've got some training and and. Um, Oh, some more mandatory work to do and, of course, preparation on our boat. So here's Abel. Hi, pleasure. Abel, you're looking forward to this. I am. It's it's sort of some days I feel like I know what to expect based on our training rows before and watching my dad do it in 2018 on the last row. And then other times I get in, you know, I got in yesterday late in the afternoon uh, from my drive over from Los Angeles. And, you know, then only a matter of hours later, I'm up at 2 a.m. and we're you know, learning all these new things that, you know, you hardly seem like you have time to prepare for all of it. So um, it's a little bit of yes, a little bit of no, but I think all in all, something to look forward to and something that, you know, I've certainly never done and may never get the chance to do again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Navi was getting himself ready, you know, doing a little prep riding before he went over to Portugal for a bicycle ride. How do you suppose you get ready for a row like this, Navinovskis? Well, you know, I, people need to understand that it's mostly legs. I mean, if your legs are in condition, you don't rely so much on the upper body because that will wear it out so bad and it won't recover. After like five days, upper body needs a couple days off. So you try to use your legs. Am I correct with that? So far in my experience, I mean, that was on, we just had this training row. I know we called you guys from the boat Um in Monterey, and something I was really nervous about was the strength training and, and would my body hold up for the five-day stint. And it's really exactly as you said. Um, you know, in a, lot of, in a lot of ways, it was sort of the spread of physical work between the arms and the back and the legs and the core. Um, you know, that, that sort of all working together made right. it workable. Whereas if, you know, before Alan, our, um, 
our fifth member who crossed the Atlantic with us uh, with ALS, his seed does not move back and forth in, in you know, a way a traditional machine would. Um, and so I was experimenting with that first kind of time out on the boat. And I mean, it's amazing how much it, you know, once when that energy is not spread throughout the body, how tired your arms get right. so quickly. Yeah. And the next question I have, Tim, if we have time, is my question is the 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 night at night. Are you guys going to do a team like you sleep, we row? Like you're going to rotate, or are you going to shut the whole boat down, throw out the sea anchor at night, and just pick it up when the trade winds pick up in the morning? I just want to know how you're going to do that. Yep, we're gonna we're gonna keep the boat in motion 24 hours okay. um, a day. I think I think we're gonna have one hour that um, that we're just kind of cruising or coasting, not rowing. I, I think the way we've sorted our schedule has like, uh, let's say I take a three-hour shift, and I'll be with Abel for one hour. Then he goes off. I'm by myself for an hour, and then Dale comes out in the last hour. And so we rode together. Dale's our third rower. And then he's by himself for an hour. And then Abel comes back out. He's with him for an hour. And we just keep that ball rolling. Mm, got you. Next question, Tim, if you don't mind. Um, okay, so on that hour where you got total nothing, are you going to be um, broad reach on the wind? Or are you going to go downwind with the rudder? You know, I think uh, hopefully the winds will be favorable and we'll go downwind with the rudder. We we just uh, finished installing an auto tiller on the boat. Um, the, the boat was designed and set up with manual foot steering uh, on it, just a cable and pulley si- system, very simple, very strong, and very effective. Um, uh, we thought this time we'd, we'd install a uh, Raymarine EV100 auto tiller um, so programmable, programmable and works in conjunction with our Garmin navigation unit. Um, quite luxurious, right? So we'll we'll see how how that works out. We'll keep the uh, foot steering as backup in case of failure because that's a pretty frequent occurrence. But. Yeah. All right. We're almost out of time. I just have to ask Abel. I heard you had a personal relationship with a bucket for a little while on that training ride down the coast. Oh, you know, I mean, it was it was. Every it was the, it was the bucket. It was the ocean. I, I, it, it took me a long time to get the sea legs, and then at you know at the end of a day and a half, something clicked and it was fine. So I'm hoping I've I've made the most of it, but I'll certainly keep you guys informed. Yeah. <laughs> and one more for you, Tim. Um, I just I, I'm putting myself in a position as a dad. You know, it's one thing if you're out there putting yourself at risk, but when it's your son. Or if it was your daughter or your wife uh, who was in the boat with you, I think I asked you before if it would change the way you are thinking during this. But the better question for me is, and it sounds like you've raised a good one here, but what what are those conversations like in three long hours of rowing together when everybody else is asleep between dad and son? Well, I think this will be a, a pretty uh, challenging, unique, but fun experience, you know, uh, when my kids were growing up, I when the tough moments had to be discussed, I got them in the car because they couldn't escape, right? Yeah. So so now I've got 3,000 miles worth of that, and I'm really <laughs> looking forward to the conversation. <laughs> yeah. You also got to leave, you know, yes, there's father-son, but, but you're also going to be um, friends and partners out there. The conversations are quite in-depth and different, and... 
you know, uh, we talk about our wives and, and, you know, we'll see where all that goes. Yeah. But, uh, well, but I'm looking forward to the ride. And maybe by the end of this, Abel will be a first mate instead of a third mate. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm hoping, too. Don't tell Dale. Yeah, I'm yeah. for him to be the skipper. <laughs> All right. Tim, real quick, tell him where to get information, and better yet, how to help you in the cause. Yep, visit us at um, uh, www.rogue4als.org. That's R-O-W-4-A-L-S.org. Visit us, learn about our story, follow journey and uh, yep donations are more than welcome our our main cause we support um, patient care funding and research for uh, Lou Gehrig's disease or ALS uh, up at the University of Utah Clinical Neurosciences Clinic so it's a great cause yeah and if you want to see the boat go to our Facebook page KSL Outdoors Radio thanks guys two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do when a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything it was violent it was senseless and i will never understand it i will never accept it i'm amy donaldson and unfortunately we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives but what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt in a new podcast the letter we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, time for a little fish bites here this morning. Let me see if I can get some sound effects to roll in the background. uh, Well, that's not it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's always a little worrisome when you pull something up on this board and uh, don't know what you're getting into here. No, I thought I had. Oh, here it is. That is the sound of 25,000 rainbows being stocked at Jordan L. State Park just a couple of days ago, Navidowskis. <laughs> well, it sounds like a thunderstorm, so rainbow <laughs> is a know. pretty good... There you go. Uh, yeah. And then there was also a story that I shared on our uh, Facebook page of 10,000 fingerling black crappie that were put into Jackson Flat Reservoir in Kanab. So the stocking is going on, and uh, let the fishing begin as soon as we can get rid of some of this ice. Well, that's the thing. Um, I can't tell you how many people have inquired about what does this mean, you know, with all this ice in May? Uh, What does this mean? Is this horrible? And the answer is no. Um, If you're old like me, and like I cut my fishing teeth hard in the 70s, okay? And if you remember, if you're old like me, we had a thing called a fishing season. It was the stupidest thing ever i mean like it's because hunters manage our fisheries right there was like a season to go fishing we finally got rid of that but my point is this we never could fish until memorial weekend that was opening day so this isn't the end of the world and you're going to do just fine with the fishing it's just going to be a little later okay but everything's going to remain the same so even this morning i was talking to you know look i was supposed to teach a float tube class in may 
and I didn't decide till this morning that I wasn't going to teach it. And I didn't know if I was going to after retirement. And I've decided, so if you're listening, it's bad news because I'm thinking I don't want to do it. Um, but anyway, the point is the fishing is going to be fine. It's just going to be a little later. When are you going to get to the U.N.? As we didn't used to go till July. You're still going to get up there in, in June. And what you need to know is that the water is going to hit a temperature where it's just going to go fast. So once the nights don't get below 40, then that's when it happens. So once the ice comes off, it's going to go rapidly. Now, you've got a lot of water coming in, and it's cold water and dark in color. So it is something you're going to have to deal with. But the fishing is going to be really great because the fish still have to eat the same amount of calories they would have had to in a regular year. And by the way, this is a regular year if you're old like me. It, the, the ice never came off until May back in the old days, and we did just fine. So all the calories that a fish was, in, in, like you're talking the U.N., is that's our pretty much our summer fishery, um, they're going to eat the same amount of calories they would have eaten before, and they're just going to eat it faster. So the point is you're going to catch more fish quicker once the ice comes off now because they still have that same amount of calorie problem. It's just fewer days to do it. I was wondering so, if they'd come out hungrier, you know? Yeah. They uh, have to. Because they've Absolutely. been under there longer. And they're going to be skinnier. There's no question. You see, a lot of fish go dormant, and you're, you're basically talking your cuts and your um, um, uh, brookies. They, they have a dormancy. So what happens is their body temperature, you know, is low and their heart rate is low. So they don't burn as many calories while they're sort of hibernating. But they have to get the fat stores back on. So they're just going to be fishing voraciously during the summer months. And that's why fishing is always good in the summer in that region because all those fish have to eat the same amount of calories. They just have less time to do it. Yeah. So the fishing's going to be great. You're, you're going to probably be mid-June before you can get up into the higher places. Once the snow, like I say, once the ice starts to go, it's going to go very quickly, though. And it's just going to be great fishing, just fine. It's not going to be anything. And if anything, during those summery August days when they're just waiting for terrestrials to land, um, they're going to be going crazy for those. So, look, if you want to fish for them, and, again, I had, like I say, my vice principal just this morning asking me all about it, you want to just put on the freshwater shrimp, which is what they're going to go for first. Um, so the pink, the, the gray, the silver, shrimp patterns behind something that gets their attention and they're just going to, you're never going to miss and you keep it moving. You got to move it slow in the, in the early days because when it's cold, those fish are lethargic and so are the bugs. So just a slow retrieve. And then as the summer goes on, you'll increase the, you know, the speed of that retrieve and you're going to do great. I mean, fishing is going to be just fine. We did a lot of fishing back in the days in the seventies. Yeah. One thing we have to worry about, and I can't tell you the impact yet, but there's going to be a winter kill. So what happens when the ice gets too thick, it it reduces the area where the fish can survive through the winter, and it, and they use more oxygen. So what happens is it's not so much that it freezes completely over, but it freezes to the point that there's reduced oxygen and those fish die. So without question... 
because this is normal, we're going to have some lakes in the U.N. that are going to have a winter kill. They're going to be done. All right. But we'll just restock them and we'll be okay. Paul Phillips has already twisted my arm. He said, when are you coming up here? Let's go fishing. Because I think he's uh, done... Uh, the duty of turning things over to the boys uh, so that he can start enjoying some of those days. Yeah, so I told him we'll uh, be in contact soon. All right, got to take a break. We have uh, news at the top of the hour. And on the other side, we're going to talk cougars. No, not those kinds of cougars. We're going to talk about uh, big cats with uh, Darren DeBlois. He is the Game Mammals Coordinator for the Division of Wildlife Resources. Hour number two, coming up next. Tammy does a shimmy at the fish fry Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 